This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, my name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which holds Triangle Pest as well as Triangle Lawn as well as CEO of Comarch for digital marketing and sales services for the pest and lawn industries. And with me is the highly esteemed, highly sought after Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello, introduce yourself, our guest, and our topic for today? Sure. Hello, everyone. Uh, Dan Gordon, PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialists, and, um, um, and all of the things that Donnie described me as. And um, <laughs> today... <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. Uh, I know it's yours, Donnie, is uh, mergers and acquisitions in, in the pest control. And our guest today is Kevin Burns. He is the chief development officer at Arrow Exterminators. And uh, I've had the pleasure to do some work with him in the past and hopefully some more in the future. And uh, um, welcome, Kevin. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate the uh, invitation and looking forward to uh, an engaging webinar. Yeah, yeah. So before we start, uh, just a rundown of you. Like, how did you find yourself uh, in the pest control industry at Arrow? Uh, what's your background, education? You know, uh, how did it all come about? Wow. Okay. Well, you, you guys are going to enjoy this story. <laughs> so I started as a lab chemist with Bayer in Kansas City uh, way back when. So I graduated in 1982. So uh, for those of you that do the math, I'm 61. But anyway, uh, I joined uh, Dow Chemical as a uh, research chemist. Uh, so I was I go from Bayer to, to Dow as a chemist, uh, then moved over into a variety of sales and marketing uh, positions uh, before joining Arrow in 2004. So Arrow was my largest customer when I was with, uh, with Dow. Um, came in as a VP of sales and then uh, added marketing to that. Um, and then in uh, 07, so about three years later, we hired Charlie Jones as our VP of sales. So that moved me over to the M&A arena. Um, so basically, guys, I tried being a chemist. I tried being a sales guy, a marketing guy, and finally found something that people tell me I'm good at. I don't know if I am or not, but people tell me I am. So at this point, I'm just going to keep doing it until either I make the PGA Champions Tour or until Joe and Emily tell me it's time to hang up my shoes. Well, I played golf with you. You know, I'm not going to be on that tour with you. So, <laughs> uh, so, so you, I was going to say, so can you just tell us a little bit about your like, OK, so now you're you're at Arrow and obviously, you know, we got your title, you know, your chief development officer. So talk to me a little bit about your day to day and what you do and, and, and how that works at Arrow. Yes, yeah, so my day-to-day -day is um, leading the M&A team, and so and, and and sitting on a variety of of other committees within the company, finance committee and insurance committee, and things like that. Um, things that uh, typically involve money, and uh, but but mostly uh, M&A. And so when we are contacted or we contact somebody to that's interested in maybe evaluation, maybe just learning a little bit more, maybe just starting the process or beginning a relationship, uh, I usually take the point and we'll uh, meet with them, talk to them on the phone, uh, learn a little bit about them and um, 
start the process. So since 2007, just I wanted to kind of preface this by how many acquisitions have you done? I mean, I heard it uh, not too long ago. I was pretty amazed at the number. Yeah, so the company is well well over 100. Um, personally, I think the count is somewhere in the 75 to 80 range. Dan, I don't uh, necessarily track each and every one of them. <laughs> I don't have a scorecard. Uh, that's not my scorecard. But uh, I do remember my first one, uh, and that was back um, in January of 2008. There was a company in Yulee, Florida, so Jacksonville Metro. Uh, that was, uh, they were doing about a million bucks. McKendry was their name, Termite and Pest Control. Wonderful, uh, wonderful family business. And so that was my first one. And so that was, and that was our first entry into the Jacksonville market. So what started with a $1 million business, we are now doing between 20 and 25 million in Jacksonville. And that's kind of, that's kind of the arrow story, guys, right? Is we move into a new geography, we invest and typically are able to grow, you know, we did we did a couple more acquisitions after uh, McKendry. We did um, Nader's Pest Raiders um, and uh, Florida Pest Management, which was over on uh, on the other side of the river. Um, but um, yeah, so you know if we've if we've acquired you know seven or seven and a half million dollars worth of business in Jacksonville, we've grown that to twenty to twenty five now. So most of our growth is organic. You'll hear that from me, you'll hear it from Emily and Tim and anybody at Arrow. So while we're very acquisitive, uh, you know, and we see that in the in the in the trade pubs, our the principal driver of our growth is definitely organic growth. So let's talk about that real quick. How do you guys decide like, okay, this is a geography that we want to be in. Like, you know, I'm sure you just don't look and say what's on the market. I mean, what's what's the process for you guys to say, okay, yep, this looks like a market we want to be in. Let's start looking for potential targets. So it's a really good question, Donnie. We look at places that we're not already or places where our scope is not as large as we would like it to be, right? So, um, you know, if, if we go back all the way back to, to that time, you know, 2008, we knew that we needed to be in Jacksonville. We knew some very good, high-quality companies were already there doing very, very well. Um, anybody could see that there was population growth, population density in Jacksonville and so forth. So that was a targeted market for us. And so we're always looking at what's going on in the world in which we live, as well as then breaking it down to, you know, who are the players, who's there, are we looking at a, at a place where maybe there's not a succession yeah. <clears throat> uh, plan in place and, and so forth. So it's a combination of a variety of different things. So how does size affect your decision? What, what's your optimal, um, you know, what's your optimal size acquisition and what, um, you know, uh, how does that uh, Plan. Yeah, that's a good question, Dan. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that we have a minimum, but I would say that we rarely, if ever, do anything less than about three quarters of a million these days, maybe, you know, close to a million. Um, and that said, you know, we 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 end up talking to some very well-run smaller companies. And, you know, if we can ever 
help them find a, find a buyer. We will work with them directly. But, you know, at the end of the day, we find that there's just as much work to acquire a smaller business as there is, you know, one that's larger in size. And so I wouldn't say that we have an, uh, an upper end. If you want a sweet spot, you know, I'm going to say typically we're, you know, in the one to $3 million range, but we'll do, we'll do much larger as well. And when you look at like the mix of, um, like, let's just say there's a, let's say there's a $5 million company. Um, what do you guys look, I mean, like, how do you rate, like this company is way more valuable than say Y company. And, and here's the makeup, here's the business mix that makes them, maybe a better way of asking this question is what makes a company the most desirable for you guys to the range of like least, or maybe we wouldn't be that, that interested in this, you know what I'm saying? Like, give us the range. Yep. 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 So, um, the most important term in that, in that, uh, a question really or in terms of answer is the word re- recurring right so we we this is what we say in turn we love recurring pest control services in all shapes and sizes right so that's where you know if you've got a recurring pest control business just recurring pest control we don't care if it's monthly every other month quarterly once a year it whatever any form or fashion, we love recurring pest control. Okay, uh, and then past that, um, recurring uh, mosquito work. We love uh, mosquito work. Um, termite renewals are uh, very good uh, for us in terms of uh, most desirable. And then um, LNO, um, of course, and and we do LNO in Florida only in Florida, but uh, it's a it's a pretty big piece of our business. Um, and then if you were to look at non-recurring, I would say this, Donnie, we have a very large investment in the real estate business, you know, with WDIs. So companies that participate in that market would be attractive to us. And I know that there are a number of companies out there that wouldn't want to be in that business. So uh, so I wanted to make special note of that. Donnie, you're one of them. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So people couldn't see what I did. If you were on the cameras, I, I made a maybe a, a gesture that would, would indicate that we're not one of those companies. So <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, it's part of our it's part of our history. It's who we are. We we started when we started the business in nineteen sixty four, um, Starkey Thomas, you know, he he odds all he knew was real estate and pre treats. And so it's kind of just bred into us, right? Um and so we, uh, we, like I said, we have a large real estate team that's focused on getting out and talking to realtors and brokers um, about uh, using our services. I'd say that team is maybe 12 or 13 people. So we have, we have multiple people in, in multiple states. And let me just set the record straight here on this for a second, too, because, you know, I have been to Arrow. You guys had a very impressive operation. I've been down to Atlanta uh, Rick has had me down there a few times. And you're right. I remember WDI being a really big part of, of Arrow. I remember that distinctly about you guys. And I'm not saying that that's a bad business to be in. But what I am saying is, is that you really got to know what you're doing in that business because it's it's easy. I, I mean, to me, I think it's not a very difficult business, but it's not very forgiving either. Meaning that if you make a mistake, it could it could hurt. And so that's that would be my caveat to that is I think it's good business. I think there's money to be made there. But you just better know what you're doing. That's not one to, you know. 
You're, you hit the nail on the head, Donnie. I, I remember back to my early days as VP of sales, I always said, I would rather have a great inspector that doesn't know how to sell than a great seller that doesn't know how to inspect because one gets you into a big, big trouble. Yeah. Right. Any, uh, any uh, preference, commercial, residential? Does it matter? Do you put one ahead of the other or... Um, so we do a lot more residential, Dan. We're probably 80% residential, um, 20% commercial. But a few years ago, seven or eight years ago, we decided to kind of get into the commercial business. And so we uh, will make investments in, in commercial now. We have um, a wonderful leader of that business, Frank Roy, who's just done a, done a wonderful job. So our commercial growth is actually outpacing our residential growth at, at this time. And uh uh, we, we've got no um, nothing but but great things to, to to look at and to say about our commercial business. So we'll continue to make investments in that side of the business. So That's on it. the uh, on the mosquito side, you said that you really like mosquito work uh, on the valuation. So mosquito, I don't know. I'm going to say um, mosquitoes really started to proliferate over the past several years. When when you're purchasing a company or a straight mosquito company, are are you valuing mosquito the same as your quarterly home service or, uh, you know? Uh, yeah. In, yeah. In general, ter- yeah. In general terms, yes, Dan. Um, you know, we've got a long history with the mosquito business, so we started that back really started it in earnest in 2004, and so we've got a lot of experience. in in, in what I can tell you is. Our customers, our mosquito customers, continue to tell us how much they absolutely love this service. And when you compare our retention uh, of our mosquito customers against even our residential pest control customers, it is extremely high. So we love our mosquito customers. Of course, a number of our mosquito customers are also our pest control customers because, uh, you know, we're out there servicing them and and we're talking to them about, you know, uh, additional services. So, um, but, you know, in terms of on the acquisition side, Dan, we have not acquired a straight mosquito company. Um, we won't focus our business on kind of the, the, the misting systems. You know, we're kind of the old fashioned. We're going to use uh, larvicides in areas that hold water and kind of limited use of adulticides in those areas where mosquitoes tend to land and, and rest. So uh, we're very focused on kind of the, the old school uh, mosquito companies. Um, but yeah, we would be interested in, in talking to them if if uh, if that was the right the right fit. Well, the other thing I'll add to that, and and we didn't say this, but I think it does need to be said, is at least at Triangle, our mosquito service is by far our most profitable service. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it it beats termite, it beats bed bug, it beats pests. Now I can't scale it like I do pests. Uh, I mean, I guess I could, but I don't. You don't sell as much of it. But you know, what we do have a mosquito to me is very valuable. I love the mosquito service. I think you know it's it's a fairly simple service to do. And it's and it's super super profitable. So if I could sell more of it, I would. Yeah, we um, you know obviously it's a seasonal business, so we typically start in in the February March timeframe, depending on what geography we're talking about, and then conclude our services in uh, October November. Again, depends on 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 the weather for the year and uh, and so forth. But um, yeah, it's been a it's been a great business for us. We have dedicated 
mosquito routes now, right? So uh, we, our company has always been more about specialization. And so our pest control uh, service professionals run pest control, our mosquito service uh, SPs, we call them, run mosquito and, uh, and so forth. And that's, uh, that's good business for us. So what are the factors that bring maximum value? Is it marketing mix or the, the service mix or financial factors or what, what is it that, that you see when you, when you look at a business uh, and say, hey, here's a good one? What, what, what is it that, that, that you identify? Yeah. So, you know, we always will say that, you know, the larger companies are going to tend to get more more value than the smaller companies. And, you know, regardless, you know, where valuations are at the time, you know, larger firm, firms are, are also are always going to get bigger multiples. And, you know, I think that's primarily driven by profit. And I think we can all look at that and say, you know, uh, the, the, the larger companies oftentimes um, can drive profit easier than, than the smaller companies. But um, so I think that's a that's definitely a factor. Uh, you know, a seller who happens to be in a geography, going back to your point, Donnie, a seller who happens to be in a, in a geography that we're interested in uh, is going to get more value. You know, if we have a hole in our uh, geography and, and we find a seller who's willing to work with us, they're just going to get more value because we want to be there. It's strategically important to us. Um, you know, a seller who has, uh, you know, an established, proven management team is going to be of a higher value to a buyer. So they're going to see more value, um, especially for, you know, some of the private equity companies and so forth that, that don't have their own team. Right. So they're definitely going to, uh, going to need a, a proven management team. Um, and then what we just talked about, Dan, the, the right mix of business is very important. You know, if, if you're all pest control, you're going to get the most value. Uh, if you're, you know, if your business is focused on one-time work and um, a lot of bed bug work that's not recurring and a lot of wildlife that's not recurring, you know, those are the kinds of things that are not going to uh, gain you the most value. So it's a combination, yeah. of, a combination of all those things. So if you were, and let's just translate this down to, let's just say I have a timeline of say five years, then let's take out, you know, inflation, what the market may or may not do. Let's say I've got a five-year timeline and I've got a, what we would say a traditional pest company. I've got, you know, I've got residential pests, I have a commercial pest, I've got a little bit of termite, uh, maybe some mosquito. What would you say is like, here's what you need to focus on for the next five years to look really, really attractive to a potential buyer like Arrow or whatever. Yeah, so I would uh, focus my energies on growing those recurring services, Donnie, right? I mean, uh, you know, of course, is profit important? Sure, profit is important, but I would do anything I could to maximize um, my percentage of recurring services because regardless of who the buyer is, wh whatever the name of the buyer is, um, we're all looking for recurring services. Um, so that's going to be number one. Uh, number two, you know, what does your team look like? Um, you know, um, I, we always say numbers, uh, you know, financials are just ink on a piece of paper. You know, the, the heart and soul of the business is is people. Um, I, I guess the easiest way to say it is, Donnie, if 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 you were if you were in our shoes and you're looking at a company like yours, if you have a established set of team members that have maybe been with you an average of seven or eight years, let's say, 
um, is that business going to be more valuable than a company that has uh, the same number of team members, but they're all less than one year on, on, on the books, right? Well, of course it is. Okay. So I, you know, in addition to, to, to growing that recurring piece, I would put my energies in keeping those team members because if we know if we're keeping the team members, we're keeping the customers as well. So those two things, focus on growing the top line with recurring and keeping our team members doing everything we can to uh, keep them and keep them happy so that they can uh, uh, keep the customers intact. So when you, when you, when you, uh, um, as, as far as uh, um, giving advice to people who are going to eventually sell, because most people either sell or pass it on to their kids, um, what uh, what should that person expect? What what, what does your M and A process look like, and how does it differ from like other buyers or private equity firms who are in the space or looking to get into it? What what differentiates you guys? Okay, well, I can tell you, I can't. I can't speak to how the other how the other guys do it, how they run their process. Um, but what I can tell you is is what ours is, right? So, you know, our process begins and ends with with the people side of the equation, right? So, um, you know, the secret sauce in this in this industry is people, and so you know, we'll stip typically start the, our process by sitting face to face with a seller, you know, have a cup of coffee and get to know them, start to build a relationship. And really it's at that point that we start to determine whether or not this might be a good fit for us. Um, you know, step two, we would try to get the book of business uh, the best we can get from uh, from the seller. And if, of course, if they were being represented, it's, it's a much easier process. But um, get the book of business. And, you know, Dan, that's three years worth of financials, the mix of the business, fleet, things like that. And we take all that information, we throw it into our financial models, and uh, those models will spit out a range of where we should be uh, if we're looking to make an offer to the seller. Uh, from that point, you know, where we agree on an LOI, we get to the diligence phase and then on to closing. Um, so, you know, I guess the, the exception is, you know, with Arrow having started in 1964, we, we have a few minutes of history in this industry. So we're, we're pretty blessed to know many of the folks that, uh, that are already here or, or who their representative is. And so, uh, oftentimes we have a head start with, uh, with this process. So, you know, I've, I've heard Dan that we're one of the few, um, that will get out and, and have face to face with a seller early on, have that cup of coffee, um, before we even see financials. Um, but I don't know, I guess you could, you could speak to that and, and their processes better than I can. I think the work that we've done with you guys has been, I mean, I find you guys really easy to deal with. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, some of the others have big accounting firms that come in and, you know, may or may not understand the industry and ask a lot of questions and whatnot. And uh, I think uh, you guys, because you're from the industry, in the industry, know the industry, a lot of that goes away and it makes it, the process a whole lot easier. Well, I, mean, I, th I think the other thing, too, that needs to be said is that I, I am not a big acquisition guy. Both of you guys have done way more acquisitions than I have ever done. But the ones that I've been a part of, it's it's work, man. I mean, you know, and I don't 
to me, like, I don't want to get involved with someone that I don't think is serious or can't come through, but just because the amount of work it takes to get it to, you know, actually make it happen. Um, so, I mean, I just have to throw that out there because I think, you know, this expectation that, well, yeah, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to give them uh, our financials and that's that. I mean, I don't know. I've never had, and, and I'm not going to say that because that's not a, a, a very good parallel here, but I've had procedures done and, and I can't say that. Well, maybe I will say it. I, no, I'm not going to say it. All right. What I'm going to say is this. It would not, it, it, the times that I have done it, it has not been, it's not, I mean, it hasn't been an easy process. It's just a lot of things that, you know, when you start digging through your business, just accumulating all the data, I'm not necessarily talking about people bringing up objections. It's more about just actually getting prepared for a sell. It's a lot of work, you know, I mean, you really have to think through it. I know, I think Dan, don't you like get folks to do all of that stuff up front before you have them go out? A lot of it, but one of the things that we run into all the time is that you know, I own the company. I know it's a good company. And why are they asking so many questions? Well, they're going to lay out a lot of money. And uh, so they, you know, you've got to give them that ability and, and answer those questions because, but but a lot of times the, the seller is just like, look, this is a good company. Just let them know that. Well, okay. If you want to put out millions of dollars, wouldn't you like to know what you're buying? That's That's the big thing. I don't know, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's exactly right. And I think, Donnie, to your point, you, you know, something that you said that that resonated with me is oftentimes the phone will ring for, for Dan and myself and others and, you know, hey, what's my business worth? Okay. And, you know, here's my revenue. What's my business worth? And then you start down that path of, okay, well, here's what I'm going to need and here's why. And, you know, the frustration, you can hear the frustration mount because it is time consuming. And, you know, I mean, obviously Dan and, and, and his partners and his team, I mean, you know, they've got the accounting side. And so it's relatively easy if they're a client of Dan's to, to, to get that done. But for others that are not so fortunate, they're, you know, they've got to go and say, okay, well, where are my tax returns? Where are my um, financial statements? What is, you know, my P&L? And, and some of the smaller companies, just to be brutally honest, they don't have the formal financial reporting that you would get with a with a firm, right? So um, a lot of times, you know, you'll see a smaller company that doesn't necessarily have an accounting firm. They have a bookkeeper. And so it it can be challenging um, with some of the smaller companies. You know, once once a company gets to, I don't I don't know, Dan. Well, all of yours, obviously, you're 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 dealing with them from a bookkeeping. But you know, a million dollars or so companies typically then have uh, financial reports from from an accountant, and you can ask for balance sheets and things like that. But smaller companies oftentimes uh, very difficult. So so it makes it difficult to answer a question, and it's frustrating. I know on my side because I want to help. I want to say, hey, well, this is probably what your business is is going to be valued at, but I can't do that just based on, you know, a number and a, a wish and a wink. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. So let's talk about the M&A process. And obviously we, we've, t- we've touched on, you know, gathering the data. What in your mind, Kevin, is like the most, like, this is where, okay. And I mean, I have my own opinion on about this, but I'm just curious, what do you think is, what is the most difficult part of the process? Like someone decides, okay, I'm interested. I, I'm going to make the investment in time. It's worth it. Where Where is the common like, okay, this is where it gets hard and here's what you need to be prepared for? Yeah. So I think 
you know, there's there's the both sides, and you have to look at it from both sides, right? So for the for the potential seller, it's what we just talked about. I think, you know, getting everything together, it's all there, but getting it all in one location, it's going to be time consuming. And I mean, I've I've had guys tell me it's just that's going to be a distraction. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to run my business um, and get all this information for you. So it's very difficult on the uh, on the on the sell side, and, and unless you've got somebody that's you know that that's there that can get it for you, um, I think on the buyer side, you know, oftentimes the difficult part is going to be working through contractual issues with opposing legal counsel. Um, sometimes we get um, significant hurdles, and um, and you just have to work through them. You know, hang, hang on. I, I just I need to pause you there real quick. I just this is this is breaking. You, you heard it first here on the podcast. Let me just translate a bit what Kevin Lawyers just said. Are difficult? Working with attorneys is a pain in the ass. There, okay, I, I'm done there. All right, keep going. Sorry. Okay. Hey, and and full disclosure, my middle daughter's an attorney, and I love her dearly. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I, so, I, I love attorneys and I hate them. So keep going. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I my my best advice for anybody even considering the, the starting the process is to go to your attorney and negotiate those fees on the front side um, because you don't want to have any surprises on closing day. And and this is this is a hard thing to 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 tell everybody, but you know we experienced a situation in which a, a closing attorney intentionally scuttled the deal because it was not in his best financial interest to see the deal through because he saw it as a loss of a client. And you say, well, Kevin, would that really happen? Yes, it really happened. And you think mm -hmm. about it. I mean, you've got attorneys that are saying, okay, hey, I'm getting whatever the number is, $20,000, $30,000 a year from this client. If I lose this client, I lose that, uh, that recurring revenue. And, you know, you would, you would hope that an attorney would see past that and, and see what's in it for the, um, for the seller. Um, but they sometimes look at it as a, you know, um, as either a way to stop the deal or conversely, and I know Dan has seen this as well, uh, a time that they know that a seller potentially is getting, you know, uh, seven figures. And now's a, now's a good time for me to run up that bill. So I always say, hey, negotiate that on the front side. You don't want to have a surprise on, on closing day. I mean, to me, so, my, my MO is I always assume attorneys have my best interests at heart, you know? <laughs> they do. They do. So, uh, you know, we, we talk about ethics and whatnot. But but uh, but 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 seriously, how about um, let's just kind of so. So once the when did the integration process start and what does that look like? Um, that's because that seems to be you spend all of this money. And if you don't have a good integration plan, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, Dan, you're exactly right. It, it's to my opinion, it's the most important piece of the entire process. And and oftentimes it's the most difficult. I mean, think about it. So 
um, we are meeting that seller's team for the first time, and we're meeting them at a time in which you know somebody just moved their cheese, right? So it's not their their finest hour. So what we've learned over over the years is you know we have to be patient. We have to impress upon them how important they are to us, um, how much we care about them, how much you know we want their future to be with us, right? Because they're important. Uh, they're important to us, and you know the, one of the ways that we impress upon them how important they are is, you know, it's our executive team and our dedicated M&A team who has, you know, years of experience in integration on, and onboarding that's involved, right? So, um, you know, for us, you know, our CEO, Emily Kendrick, our president, Tim Pollard, our chief HR officer, uh, Shay Runyon, and then members on our operations team, our senior level people are going to be there. So, um, it's not you know our, our 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 local folks. It's our executive team that are in in involved in the process. And and I can just tell you, having been through this, you know, on many many occasions, you know, it's one thing, let's say, for a Kevin Burns to stand up in front of this group of folks and say, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take care of you, et cetera. It's another thing for Emily Kendrick, who's you know a member of the Thomas family, and she's the CEO. When she gets up there and says it, I can just tell you, you know, it's really impressive, and it and it, and it comes across as uh, genuine and heartfelt. And then then it's just a matter of doing all the follow up and making sure that um, everything that we we tell them in in the employee meeting we do right. And every day is about building credibility with each and every every team member. And you have to do it for every one of them effectively. And of course, they're all talking to each other. Hey, you know, what did they tell you? And what did they tell um, that guy and so, and that gal and so forth and so on. So you just have to be consistent and treat everybody uh, with respect and make sure you take care of them. And, and like we say, we put our arms around them and, and, and love on them. Good deal. Good deal. Well, Kevin, this has been so, a fantastic. Well, wait, wait, wait. We do yeah, have I know the question you're going to ask, Dan. I'm going to let you yeah, ask I mean, it. Don't worry. I'm just letting everyone go. Yep. Oh, boy. What, 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 what am I, I in for? Coming. Yes. Okay. This is the question that Dan loves uh, asking until it happens. So go ahead, Dan. This is it. Uh, we're in an amazing point in history in the pest control industry. <laughs> and the, the biggest deal that's ever going to happen is set to happen in Q3, uh, Renekill and Terminex. Uh, but, but what does it mean for an arrow? What does it mean for a smaller company? What does it mean for the industry? What does it mean for valuations? How do you, how do you see it? Is it a good thing, a bad thing? What, what, what do you think? Oh boy. Yeah. Um, you, uh, finished up with, a <laughs> with a, with a, uh, <laughs> with an RPG. Thanks for that. Um, okay. You know, I think, you know, it'll be neutral to good for the industry. And by neutral, I don't mean bad, but, um, you know, I, I guess I'm looking at it from the people side of things. And, you know, obviously on the Terminex side, they've had a number of kind of tumultuous years, maybe is a, a good term with the, you know, their changes in, in leadership. Um, and, you know, on the rental side, you have an established leadership team, you know, Andy Ransom and John Myers and, and that team, you know, they've been in, the, in their jobs for many, many years. So uh, I think from a people side, uh, the, the Terminix folks will probably see that as a, as a benefit. Um, I think it's going to be significant for 
rent a kill to integrate the business, right? I mean, we've seen it done in many other industries. So uh, we'll see, um, you know, Andy and John, Brett Ponton, their teams. I mean, we, we wish them certainly only the best as, uh, as that unfolds. Um, in terms of valuations, uh, Dan, I, I think what's currently going on in the economy and in the world will have a much larger effect of, on, on valuations. Um, you know, if, if we assume that the Russia-Ukraine conflict continues and we continue to see inflation tick up, I, I got to believe valuations will have no choice but to, to come down, right? So I don't necessarily think that the, the Renekil Terminex deal will have as much effect on valuations as what's going on in the world will. Well, I, but I'd, I'd be interested to hear what, uh, what, what your thoughts are, Dan and, and Donnie. I think, uh, yeah, I think I, I think like the flip there, kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, if I if I've got to get shot at by an RPG, I'm yeah. turning it back around. Yeah, I I mean, you know, I know all the folks uh, who are involved as well, and I think that uh, Renekil has quite a, um, you know, quite a quite a job to get done <laughs> um, to integrate. Um, I think that it will be good for the industry. I think that, like you said, that Terminex had a lot of fits and starts, and I think that bringing them some leadership will help quite a bit. Um, I also think that what will happen with Renekill is that they now, their footprint is bigger in smaller markets. And so I'm not sure that they'll be um, as excited about, um, you know, certain acquisitions as they were. Um, they've got a tremendous uh, management team, uh, you know, tremendous integration team, but it's it's going to be quite a bit of work to do it. So, uh, um, you know, I, I think overall it'll be good for the industry. I think that, um, um, as you said, valuations are going to be um, a factor of the economy, markets, interest rates, inflation, et cetera. Um, so I think that that will, I think you're dead on with that. But uh, Donnie, what, uh, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So my thought here is, I think, I think you're on there, Kevin. I think the main thing, the driver out of that is going to be how long can money stay cheap? And, you know, is, is a big player going to be distracted for a while? So, and by the way, this is completely, I'm not in this, I'm not in the, the M&A side, obviously I'm an operator, but, but I will say just looking at it big picture, it would seem to me that it's probably, we're all going to take a breath. You know, I don't know that we'll continue to see the, the multiples rise. I think probably we'll, we'll take a, I don't think we'll take a step back. I think we'll all take a breath, but I think, you know, two, three years down the road, the economy starts coming back. I'm not saying it's down, but I do think there's going to be some sort of correction that we're going to see, especially when it comes to once they correct the interest rates and we try to get inflation under control. I think so. once we're on the backside of that and this, everyone kind of has some clarity to this acquisition, I think we're going to be probably right back where we're at right now, if not even more, because at the end of the day, no matter how you cut it, it's still recurring revenue and it's still very valuable, especially for folks who are trying to grow their business. And so I think the value is still there. It's just, you know, we got to get past this correction in terms of cheap money and this correction in terms of inflation. So that's my thought. But all right. With that, we are out of time. Kevin, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm glad that you came on. 
um, to talk about Dan's favorite topic, which is which is MMA. I don't know why I said Dan's favorite topic. Um, but you know, just a reminder to well uh, to all of our listeners, um, I- any resources and topics we talked about, kind of an outline of the podcast, will be available on pmpindustryinsider.com under show notes. Uh, the other reminder I'll give is that we always appreciate a like, a review, whatever. Just let us know that um, that we're that you're liking the content, and if you're not. Please contact Dan. He really likes calls like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Dan, any part of the Yeah, I'm in charge of all hate mail, so please send that to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Kevin, thank you so much, man, for coming on board. And with that, I think we're signing off. You guys take care, all right? Appreciate it. All, all right. So thanks, much. guys. Enjoy it. Yeah, Talk to you later.